Welcome to Thousand Hills Ranch Church. We hope this message opens your heart and changes your life. Anybody a Marty Stewart fan? Any Marty Stewart fans? Yeah, a few of you guys. How many of you guys have no idea who Marty Stewart is? All right, cool. Well, Marty Stewart is the guy that just sang that song, and he has some classic songs uh, that are really uh, pretty awesome. Uh, he uh, partnered with Travis Tritt a few times, and they uh, made some great music as well. That was back in the mullet days. Anybody remember the mullet days? Heck yes, Travis Tritt was the best mullet uh, ever um, in the 1980s and 90s. So, but Marty Stewart uh, sings a great song, and the song, actually, the title of it is, if you didn't get it, Little Things, Little Things. And here's the thing, I'm excited to start uh, one of my favorite, um, uh, I guess, topics, and, and to start a series about one of my favorite topics, I'll say it that way, and that is marriage, love, sex, and dating. How many of you guys have been to our church before in February? Anybody been to our church before in February? Yeah? Um, how many of you guys have ever heard me preach uh, about marriage, love, sex, and dating? Right? Yeah. So here's the cool thing. Some of you guys are like, why do we always uh, talk about this in February? Why do we always preach on this? Well, here's, here's what I know. I know that I need help in my marriage. Amen? I thought I'd get a wife, a wife response right there, <laughs> but I know I need help, and if I need help, I know that you need help as well. And here's the thing: I, so many people are struggling in their marriages. Uh, I don't know if you know it or not, but the divorce rate is the highest it's probably it's ever been uh, in our in our lifetime. Um, and people are looking for answers to the questions that they have. And here's what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt: we have the answers. I mean, so many people are like, I'm looking for all these answers. I'm reading Cosmo and I'm reading Cosmo. Some of you guys are like, what's Cosmo? I don't know. I pulled it out of my hat. I don't even know. It's Cosmopolitan Magazine. Or, you know, they're taking dating surveys online or they're, you know, they're, they're, you know, I don't know what they're doing, but they're looking for the answers to the questions about dating, marriage, and sex. And I'm here to tell you, we have the answers. And here's what I know about uh, in marriage and sex and dating and God. Here's what I know. With God, we have a 100% chance at success in marriage. Amen? Yeah, let's give the, give the Lord a hand for that. Yeah. And so I believe that we have the answers. And sadly, so many preachers, so many uh, people in church, they don't ever talk about these subjects. And we have never shied away from them because we want people to be equipped to succeed in their relationships and in marriage. And so that's why we do it. Um, And so if you've uh, come here today and you're single or maybe you're dating someone, this series is for you. If you've already tied the knot, this series is for you. Um, don't feel like, man, I got it all handled because as soon as you do that, you're going to get screwed up. <laughs> I'm just telling you, that's when you, that's when it usually the crap hits the fan. And so, um, here, here's what I want to, I want you to know, Heather and I, um, this is my wife, Heather, uh, stand on up, Heather, show them, uh, you already saw her, but isn't she beautiful? 
Come on, ladies, at least. Some of you guys, you guys need to stop clapping. I was asking the girls to clap, but beautiful. My wife and I, we had an awesome wedding. Um, we got married in uh, her parents' backyard. Now you think, well, what is, what is, I mean, that sounds kind of weird. So did you guys swing on a swing set and, you know, play around? No, he has 20 acres in uh, just a beautiful, beautiful spot in Newcastle, Oklahoma. Uh, you'll, you, you, on that 20 acres, you'll not find one sand burr. It's uh, beautiful. He has a finishing um, a mower on the back of his tractor, and he has a golf uh, putting green, or used to. I think I walked over it with my horse one time. <laughs> I was riding a horse, and I was like, woohoo, and then I walked over the putting green. That was bad. How many of you guys got putting greens in your yard? Nobody, see? So this is how cool his yard is. And so we, we decided to get married. We were going to get married outside, and uh, so we decided to get married in the backyard. Well, he has this pond, too, and this pond is one of the, amazing, one of the most amazing ponds. Uh, he had it dug himself, and it's one of those ponds that if you don't put water in it, it will go dry right? Anybody have a pond like that? Yeah, just, you're pumping this water in and out of a well, and it's just as clear and crystal clear as, you know, the ocean. I mean, it's beautiful. It's stocked. Everything, I mean, he has all kinds of, uh, you know, catfish and bass and all kinds of stuff in it, and for our wedding, he would get out there near the pond, and he would water it. I mean, he had this huge sprinkler, you know. He'd water the grass and all this stuff, and then he bought a fountain. How many of you guys have fountains in your ponds? Heck yes. So we had this fountain in a pond, and it was just a, a beautiful, beautiful wedding. Uh, so it, the title of our wedding, or the theme, I guess, I don't know. I've been reading Cosmo lately, but the theme of our wedding, or Brides of Oklahoma, I don't know what it is, but uh, I, the theme of our wedding was Wedding by the Pond. Imagine that. And uh, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but my best, or my ring bearer was my dog. Anybody ever had a ring bearer that was your dog? Yeah, I had a chocolate lab. His name was Murph, and uh, he was trained. And uh, one of the creepiest things my, my groomsman would tell me is, uh, because I had him trained, I, I could set him 100 yards away, and I could make him sit, and then I'd say here, and he'd come. Well, they were going to make him jump into the pond instead of come down the aisle. And I was like, you jerks, better not do that. And so, um, so anyways, my, my ring bearer was my, my dog, and I had eight groomsmen. How many of you guys had more than eight groomsmen? Anybody? More than eight? More than eight? See, I'm the best. I'm the best around. So I had eight groomsmen. Obviously, my wife had eight bridesmaids. Um, and so it was just a big wedding. We had, I mean, we had over 300-something people there. We set out white chairs, you know, and kind of a little round, and we were like George Strait in the middle. <laughs> Anybody ever been to a George Strait concert? He's always in the middle. But anyways... Um, and so we had this huge white tent and uh, lights everywhere. It was just beautiful. It was in October. Um, it was actually beautiful the night before. And as you guys can imagine, the, this cold front just like that's blowing in here blew in on the night of our wedding. And so everybody's freezing. And you see the pictures of our wedding and all the hairs like this, like all the ladies' hairs and, you know, weddings blowing to the side. And so anyways, this was, it was a beautiful, beautiful wedding. Um, we had obviously the best day of my life other than my salvation was being able to marry my wife, right? Um, and so it was awesome. And then we got to go on a honeymoon. And I don't know uh, if you got to go on a, a big honeymoon, but we had obviously the, the God blessed us to be able to do that. And we went to Rhode Island. I don't know if you've ever been to anybody been to New England in the fall. 
uh, and been able to see all the fall foliage and all that stuff. Well, I got friends in Boston and New York City and all this stuff. And so we decided we were going to go to Rhode Island. We had a bed and breakfast there for four or five nights. We went to New York City for a day and uh, got to go to a Broadway play. Um, got to see the Lion King, by the way. It was pretty cool with all the, you know, all the stuff that, you know, they have, live animals and all this stuff. Got to see that. Went to Boston for a day. Went to other places and, and just hung out, obviously, in the room and enjoyed each other. <laughs> it was our honeymoon. Anybody? <laughs> Come on, people. You guys act like, you know, this is an adult service, by the way. So your kids, they may be in for a treat. But anyways, uh, so we had a great time in our, on our honeymoon. I mean, it was beautiful. Just a, it was great. And, and the cool thing about it all that is we're still married today. Amen. <clears throat> but here's what I've learned. All right. Out of all that, I mean, it was awesome. And we've had vacations since then. We've had all these things since then. But here's, here's what I've learned after 14 years of marriage. You ready? Marriage isn't built on big gestures. I want you to hear this because you're like, man, I just got to have that perfect wedding. I got to have that perfect honeymoon, all that stuff. Actually, our honeymoon was a honeymoon from hell. Can I just say that as well? We fought the whole time on our honeymoon. I mean, and that's just being real. But um, again, I'll get to some of those things why we fought on our honeymoon. But um, marriage isn't built on big gestures. It's not built on big experiences. It's not built on big weddings. It's not built on, you know, once in a lifetime vacations or expensive gifts. Um, All those things are nice right? But here's what I know about the big things. The big things don't sustain a marriage. They just enhance it. Are you with me? I mean, some of you guys are like, I see it. See, I see, babe, I don't have to go on that vacation. He says it's not worth it. (laughs) No, go on the vacation. Enjoy the vacation. But big things don't sustain a marriage. They only enhance it. Here's the main point of the whole series. You ready? It's the little things that we do every day that make a big difference in marriage. The little things, right? And so here's what, I, here's what I've learned. The longer that I'm married, the more I'm convinced that the strongest marriages are built on the little everyday decisions to love and to honor your spouse. The little things make all the difference in the world. And you say, well, what, what's this based on? Well, it's based on Scripture. I'll give you the, the, the foundational scripture uh, for this series, and it's in Luke chapter 16, verse 10, and it says this, if you are faithful in what? You say it with me. Okay, let's, let's do it again. If you are faithful in little things, then you will be faithful in large ones. Now, Luke is writing this. Luke was a doctor, okay? And he wrote a lot of great details because he was a doctor. He was a detailed kind of guy. But Luke is saying, if you are faithful in the little things, then God will entrust you with larger things, right? And it's the same way in our marriages. If we're going to be faithful in the little things, then God will bless us even larger with more, more of everything. I'm just telling you, it's, it's the way it works. And so here's the question. What are some little things that make a big difference in marriage? What are some little things that make a big difference in marriage? Well, I'll start with this. And this is where I would say your foundation needs to start and end. And it's number one, and it's the main point for today. It's this, little faith in a big God. Little faith in a big 
God. I, I don't know if you uh, get this, but I want to explain it to you. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. Look at it with me. It says, I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even what? As small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be what? Nothing would be impossible. Now, you say, well, I, I've never seen a mustard seed. I don't know if you put mustard seeds in any of your cooking, but I'll show you a picture right here. That is the size of a mustard seed. Now, again, the myth is this, that you have to have great faith for God to move. That's, that's a myth, by the way. Some people are like, man, if you don't have great faith, he's not going to heal you. If you don't have great faith, he's not going to do anything in your marriage. If you don't have great faith and have it all together and, you know, have this great faith, then you're not going to accomplish anything. That's a myth. The, the truth is, you only have to have a little faith in a huge God. Are you with me? It's, it, here's what I've learned. When, when I'm the weakest, guess what God is? The strongest. When I don't think I have a leg to stand on, guess what he is? He's the leg to stand on. When I think the ice is, you know, cracking underneath me and I think it's all weak, I can trust in a great God to get me across it, right? And so it's a little faith in a big God. I, I, went, I had the opportunity to go to Israel, spent 10 weeks in Israel, uh, just a, a, a great time. And while I was there, I, got, I found a mustard seed from a mustard plant and, and tree or whatever it is, and I had it, and I actually taped it to my wallet, in, to the inside of my wallet. I don't have it in this wallet, but it was in my older wallet. But I taped it on the inside of my wallet so that every time I would open my wallet, I would see this little bitty mustard seed from Israel. And I'm just telling you, you think about it. If, if God says all you have to do is have a, the faith of a mustard seed and I will do what you think is impossible, guess what? It applies to your marriage as well. It's the little faith that we have in God, that, in, in a great God that can change our marriages. And so it, the God of the universe has to be the object of our faith, not the size of, of our faith. And so what does this have to do with marriage? What does it have to do with marriage? Well, I'll give you two biblical principles today, and then we'll, we'll be done today. All right, here's the first one. The key to a great marriage is faith in God, not faith in marriage. <laughs> Some of you guys need to get this. Yeah, I got three golf claps. I mean, is, is PGA, am I a PGA player? Because I got some golf claps. Can we get a bigger clap for that? I mean, yeah. The key to a great marriage is faith in God, not faith in marriage. And you say, well, what do you mean? Well, many people, I believe, and myself included, and I'll give you my example here in just a second. I believe that many people, they put their hopes and they put their dreams in marriage. They do it. You say, what do you mean? Well, here's, here's, what, I, here's what I've heard and here's what I've probably said in my own life. If I can just get married, it would solve everything. <laughs> Some of you guys are married, and you're like, that's crap. That is a bunch of crap. Uh, you know, if I, if I could just get married, then I would be happy. Really? Okay. If I could just be married, then I would never feel alone. Right. If I could just get married, then all my fears would just go away. If I could just get married, I won't be tempted to look at another woman. 
Come on. If I could just get married, then I'll never struggle with comparing myself to anybody else because my husband will make me feel so secure. You ever heard it? You ever thought it? You ever imagine that in your own life? Again, sadly, so many people, they, they get this wrong and they think, well, if I just get married, then my life will be solved. All the issues that I have will be taken care of. Well, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Amen. And you say, do you have a great marriage? I do have a great marriage. But here's what I know. I know uh, that this is the case because I know that Heather and I went through this. Um, we, we grew up in church. We obviously love the Lord. But we had some unrealistic expectations uh, when we got married. I'll, I'll give you a few of mine. You know, I, I thought I'd be happy from now on because I finally got a woman. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought, man, I'll never be alone. I'll never feel alone. I mean, I was, you know, I didn't date somebody for four years, and, we, and then we met and got married and all that, and I felt alone a lot. And I thought, man, if I just get married, then I'll never feel alone again, right? I mean, that's just what I thought. I mean, all my insecurities, all the things that, you know, I don't like about myself, I mean, she's going to make those go away. Sadly, <laughs> The, the, if you don't realize this, marriage will bring out the best in you, and it'll bring out what? The worst in you. Some of you guys are with me here. I, I, you know, I also thought I'll never say anything rude or I'll never you know, <laughs> use the wrong tone because I'm going to be the perfect husband because I you know, love Jesus. <laughs> this is crap. I mean, some of you guys... Some of you guys are afraid to laugh, but you can laugh. I mean, I, you know, I thought, man, Heather, she's going to like the way that I do things and want to do them exactly like I do them. I mean, this is going to be easy, right? I mean, I can make all the decisions. She'll go right along with them every time, right? I mean, these were the things that I thought, man, I'm, gonna, I'm that perfect husband, so why would she not? like my ideas or like doing the ways that I do. And I asked her, I said, so what were some of your unrealistic expectations? Well, here's what she said. She said, you know, I thought he would be romantic every day. I mean, we dated, right? I mean, he, he was romantic all the time, and I thought he would be romantic every day. I thought every, and this is what she would say, I, I thought every day would be goo-goo eyes and would be date night. <laughs> Why didn't we know any better? I mean, it was okay, but, uh, you know, what else she said, and this was, this is true, but um, she thought that our marriage was going to look like her parents. Anybody ever thought that? You go into marriage, you're like, well, my dad always did that. <laughs> my mom always did that. You know, why, why aren't you doing that? Why, you know, they do it that way. Why don't, you know, and so it went into it thinking what it's going to look like, you know, our, you know, our, our, our parents' marriage or whatever, or, you know, and she said she, she thought that we would never fight. <laughs> Boy, what were we thinking? Yeah, it, it, she thought for sure that we wouldn't fight on our honeymoon, Right? Because why? Because we loved each other. And so we went into this with unrealistic expectations because, here's why, we put our faith in our marriage unconsciously rather than putting our faith in God. And so you say, is marriage all that bad? No. Marriage is amazing. And I'm here to tell you, and I've told you this before, other than your salvation and coming to know Jesus, marriage is the greatest gift that God gives us on the face of this earth. Amen? 
All of you guys needed to clap on that if you were married, by the way. <laughs> um, but it is. I mean, it's the greatest gift that God gives us on earth. And you say, no, my kids are. Well, again, I, kids are, again, a byproduct of marriage, a byproduct of, you know, loving someone. And so marriage is great. I mean, listen to Proverbs eighteen twenty two. It says, he who finds a wife finds what is what? What is good and receives favor from the Lord. See, marriage is good. Some of you guys have come from maybe a broken marriage or a broken relationship. If, here's the truth, if you do it God's way, it can be great. It can be great. Again, even if you do it God's way, it's still not, it's not going to be easy, but it can be great because God, again, is the one that our object of our faith should be put in. Um, and, and he can make it great. And it says, you know, if you find a wife, you find what is good. You receive favor from the Lord. I mean, marriage is good. I'll give you a few examples why. I don't have to date any weird people anymore. Anybody ever dated a weird person? You ever went on a date with a weird person? I don't have to do that anymore. Uh, the other thing that's great about it is I get to have sex whenever she feels like it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's just the truth. No, I'm just kidding. You know, the other thing is, I, I get to, you know, the marriage is good because you get to share it with someone. I mean, honestly, that's one of the greatest things, you know, in marriage is because you actually get to share it with someone. You have someone to come home to. You're not going to home alone. All those things, uh, you know, again, that's what makes marriage great. But listen, get this, please. What God has shown us is that our hope, our peace, our love, our security comes from him, not from our spouse. And you say, did they not provide any of that? Yeah, they do at times and temporarily and for a short period of time. I feel love and I feel accepted and I feel all those things. But at the end of the day, God will never fail me. Even though I fail her and even though she fails me. God will never fail me. And so the, the, the word of God encourages us in this. Look at Psalm 146, verse 3. It says, don't put your trust in, in princes, right? And in what? Human beings who cannot save. But here's the answer, Psalm 118.8. It said, it is better to trust in the, the Lord than to put your confidence in man, in other words, God, His Word shows us that humans can only provide so much love and fulfillment. But God is the provider of every need that we have. Every need. And if we will place our trust in Him, then we can become the, the, the spouse that God wants us to be. Here's, here's the people, you know, again, you guys come to this uh, in February because you know that we're going to talk about this, and I praise God that you do. This is the, probably the highest attendance that we have is in the month of February, just so you know. Um, and, and a lot of people will ask me, you know, in counseling or whatever, they'll say, what's the secret to a great marriage? I mean, you guys seem like you guys love each other, <laughs> and we do. <laughs> we do, right? You do, right? I keep speaking for myself, but I think I speak for her, too. We love each other, and people, they ask me, they say, what's the secret to a great marriage? And here's what I always tell them. The secret to a great marriage is God. 
Again, we can go on vacation. I can buy our new boots. I can, you know, buy our horse. I can buy our, you know, clothes. I can buy all this stuff, and all that stuff is going to fade and go away. All that stuff doesn't matter when all hell's breaking loose. All that stuff doesn't matter when you, you feel alone. All that stuff doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. None of the big gestures matter. It's our love for God and His power in us that helps us have a great marriage. Here's a phrase. Listen. Here's a phrase that I want I uh, you to have to never say again. And this is one of the goals in our church. And this is the phrase. You ready? Man, I wish I'd have known that earlier. Man, I wish I'd have known that before I started dating him. Man, I wish I'd have known that before I got married. Man, I wish I'd have known how to say that better. Man, I wish I'd have known how to love her. Man, I wish I'd have known what God's will is. Man, I wish I'd have known. Man, I wish I'd have known. My goal in the, for this series and every time I preach is I want to eliminate that statement. Because here's why. So many people, again, they have never heard the secret to a great marriage. They've never heard that it's God. And so you may be single today, and here's what I want you to know. You need to learn now that, that you will save yourself from a lot of heartache and disappointment if you, don't, if you make God number one in your relationship. You will. You'll save yourself from a lot of heartache, a lot of disappointment. Some of you guys are in a, in a dating relationship that doesn't honor God. The guy that you're dating, the girl that you're dating doesn't love Jesus, and you know that you're outside of God's will. Here's my advice. Get out now. You could say, well, he's hot, or she is so good looking. Or he has money and she has, you know, a body. You can say all those things, listen, but that stuff will not keep you together in the end. It will not sustain you for the rest of your life. Things are going to sag. Right? Someone might lose their job and that money's gone. Someone might lose, again, you know, whatever it is that you think is attractive. But the thing that will hold you together is God. Again, it, it, it's, it's God. And so if you're single, again, save yourself from a lot of heartache, disappointment, divorce, you know, pain, you know, hate in your life. I, I'll tell you, I'd rather be single and in God's will than married and miserable. I'm just telling you, you need to learn that if you're single. Married people, here's what I would, my advice to you. Realize that your spouse, realize that you, you have unexpectations for your spouse and start turning to God for your deepest needs to be met. Let your spouse off the hook. Again, do you need to work on your marriage? Do you need to make it greater? Yeah, we're going to teach you some of those things in the weeks to come. But at the end of the day, you're trying to choke them out by, by making them be only who God can be. You're like, why don't you satisfy me? Why don't you fulfill me? Why aren't you there every time I need you? Because they're not God. As soon as you realize that, as soon as you turn to God and go, God, I need my deepest needs met by you. I need security in you. I need fulfillment in you. I need love from you. I need, uh, you know, acceptance from you. And you find your deepest needs met in God. Then your spouse is icing on the cake. And they don't feel like you're just choking them out trying to get all this crap out of them. Again, God is the only one 
that can fulfill our deepest needs. And so married people, let your spouse off the hook and stop asking for unrealistic things that are never going to happen. And you say, what are those? Well, again, that's what we're going to talk about in the next few weeks. So the key to a great marriage is faith in God, not faith in marriage. And you say, well, what does that faith in God look like? Well, I'll give you number two. Here's the next key. Faith in God is a daily discipline. Some of you guys need to hear this. Faith in God is a daily discipline. The, the scripture says in uh, 1 Timothy uh, verse 4, verse 7, it says what? What's the first two words? Train yourself to be what? To be godly. I don't know if you've ever trained yourself in a sport or to take a test or, you know, trained for anything. But guess what? It takes work. If you want to have faith in God, it, guess what? It's not easy. It takes discipline. It takes work. It takes, you know, time. You have to, you know, do certain things over and over and over again. I call them spiritual disciplines. And you say, what is a, a spiritual discipline? Well, I, I'm, I'm going to get, you know, pretty practical right here because some of you guys have never heard what I'm fixing to tell you. You think, again, I'm going to have a great marriage and I'm going to base it on whatever this says or whatever the, you know, these people are doing. But I'm here to tell you the spiritual disciplines or habits in your life are what make a great marriage. And I'll give you a few, I'll give you a few of them. You ready? Read your Bible. You, you say, well, really? I mean, I don't have 10 ways to make my, my wife happy. Nope. Just read your Bible. You say, what, what does the Bible do for me? Well, look at Psalm 119 verses 105. Verse 105, it says, your word is a what? It's a lamp to guide my feet and a what? A light to form my path. In other words, you say, well, how am I supposed to love my wife? How am I supposed to love my, my husband? How am I supposed to live my life? How am I supposed to live for Christ? The word of God will show you. The word of God is a lamp into your feet. It shines a light on how you are to live and how you're to treat each other, how you're to serve each other how you're to love each other. Again, you're looking for all the answers in, you know, whatever your buddies say or, you know, whatever that woman just told you or your best friend just told you. No, the answers are found in God's Word. Every time, they're found in God's Word. And so it shines a light. And so we read it individually. I get up every morning and I read the Word of God. Every morning before I get out of bed, I read and I study. And, and, you know, obviously I'm a preacher, so I study throughout the day. Some of you guys, again, you need to just, just spend that time in God's Word, whether it be of a morning or an afternoon or an evening, whatever it is. And it will shine light on how you're supposed to live and how you're supposed to be, you know, a, a spouse and how to live for, for God. And so you say, well, what can that do for my marriage? Well, I'll give you a few examples. It can strengthen you to give love to your spouse when you don't feel like giving love to your spouse. <laughs> Again, you, this is unrealistic. If you think you're always going to feel in love, you're fooling yourself. People are like, oh, yeah, we're going to feel like we do on our honeymoon. No, listen, that goes away. That, that, that fades in time. But you have to realize that if you will keep in God's Word, if you will study God's Word, if you will find your, you know, fulfillment in God's Word, again, it will help you love your spouse when you don't feel like loving your spouse. It's what it does. It'll help you to forgive when you don't want to forgive your spouse, right? 
I mean, I, I read the scriptures all the time, and, and, you know, sometimes we'll be in a fight, and I'll go read the scripture, and I'll, you know, dadgummit, the, you know, God will bring up the scripture that says you got to forgive her, dadgummit, because I don't want to forgive her. I want to hold a grudge, right? I mean, she's the one who's wrong, right? I mean, but the Bible, when I open it up, it gives me the right answer every time. And so we got to read God's word to, to know how to forgive him. We got to read God's word because a lot of times when, you know, again, all this crap's going on in our marriage and we want to, uh, so many people want to get out. The Bible strengthens us to stay. Are you with me? When I, you know, again, when we're having fights and struggling and all that stuff, again, I don't go to the latest Facebook post and try to find inspiration. I don't go to all this other stuff. I go to the Word of God because the Word of God is going to tell me to stay. The Word of God is going to tell me to work. The Word of God is going to tell me to love. The Word of God is going to show me God's plan and His will for my life so that I have the strength to stay. Here's the last thing. Uh, you say, what does, you know, the reading the God's Word, you know, do? How does it strengthen you? Well, reading God's Word constantly shows us who the enemy really is. Are you with me? This is something that may revolutionize some of y'all's marriages. You ready? Your spouse is not the enemy. When you get into a fight with your spouse, they are not the enemy. I'm telling you, this will change your marriage because so many people are like, well, she's the enemy. She did all this. He did all this. He did all that. No, listen to the scripture, Ephesians 6, 12. Listen to what it says. It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Here's what you need to hear. Ready? This is Conflict Resolution 101. Your spouse is not the enemy. The devil is the enemy. The devil's the enemy. When Heather and I are in fight and, and we're, we're arguing back and forth and we don't like each other in that moment, the best thing that I've learned that I can do is to say out loud, babe, you're not the enemy. The devil's trying to kick us in the teeth. The devil's trying to get us apart. The devil is trying to destroy us because he knows if he can destroy us, he can destroy our kids. If he knows he can destroy us, he could probably even destroy this church, right? And so what I've learned from reading God's word is that she's not the enemy. I'm not the enemy. God it, 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 or the devil is the enemy. And so the word of God reminds me of that. And so you read the Bible. Here's, a, here's another discipline. You ready? Pray for and with your spouse. You say, what does faith look like and faith in God? And what are the little things that I need to be doing? Read your Bible, pray for and with your spouse. This needs to happen on a daily basis. It needs to happen on a daily basis. Look at 1 John 5. It says this. It says, uh, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, what? He hears us, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we what? Have what we asked of him. Here's what I've learned in marriage. You ready? A little prayer makes a big difference. A little prayer makes a big difference. Um, it, when Heather and I are praying together, guess what? We're stronger. When we sit down and we pray together, or, you know, one of the things we did when we first got married is we committed to pray together every night before we go to bed. And so I grab her hand, we grab each other's hand, and we pray out loud 
every night before we go to bed. And you say, what is, you know, why do you do that? Well, again, it, it strengthens us. Um, it, it helps us to come together. It, get, it connects us. When, when we're in a fight and everything, it, it causes us, to, it causes us to, to swallow our pride and pray for each other. I mean, I want to shake, you know, I want to grab her hand and go, squeeze, you know, real tight. And, <laughs> and when I pray for her, I want to say, Lord, change her. Help her to repent from her evil ways. Right? But that's not what it's about, right? You know, you say, well, what do you, what do you pray for? Well, I, 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 I've learned that, you know, when, when we're praying together, again, it's the glue that holds us together. I feel closer to her. I feel more intimacy with her. I feel connected on a level that is supernatural. Again, it's not just me and her hanging out. It's prayer. We're talking to God together. It aligns our thinking, right? It gives us the power that we need to love each other. And some of you guys are here today, and you're like, well, Bo, I'm out of luck because my spouse won't pray with me. Can I just tell you, I'm sorry. I mean, obviously, that is, that is not uh, the best situation. Um, you say, my, my spouse, he's never prayed with me. He won't pray with me, or she won't pray with me. Listen, <clears throat> again, that's not a, a great situation. But here's what I know about God. God can change your spouse. God can change your spouse. And you say, well, how do I change my spouse? I mean, he doesn't love Jesus or she doesn't love Jesus. They don't want to come to church. They don't want to pray together. All those things. How do I change them? Well, I'll give you a scripture. You ready? First Peter chapter three, look at it with me. It says wives, and I believe it means husbands as well, but wives in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and the reverence of your lives. And you say, what does that mean? Well, here's what it means. If you have a spouse that doesn't love Jesus, that doesn't want to pray, that doesn't want to come to church, your, your role in their life is, first of all, to pray for them and then to love them. Prayer and love can change people. I'm telling you, I've seen men that didn't want to pray, didn't want to come to church, didn't want to do squat. And their wives are begging them and, you know, doing all these things. And, and, and finally, through prayer and just loving and serving their husband, their husband comes to church. I'm telling you, it works both ways. I know men that their wives won't come to church. They, you know, they can't get them to pray with them. They don't want anything to do with it. But through prayer and loving them, they can win them to the Lord. And so, again, you say, well, how do I change them? Well, you pray for them and you love them. Nagging, listen, some of you guys like to nag. You're like, why don't you want to come? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Why don't you do that? Listen, nagging's never changed anybody. I, guilt doesn't motivate. I, I don't believe that. But prayer and love can motivate people. And so some of you guys, listen, and I'm going to wrap it up here in just a second. Some of you guys are followers of Jesus, but you've never or you rarely pray with your spouse. Can I just tell you, you are opening yourself up for an attack from the devil. You are. Um, and you say, well, how do, how do we get started in praying for each other? Here's, here's my advice. Set a time to pray together. Heather and I set a time right before we go to bed. We always pray together before we go to bed. Maybe yours needs to be before you leave the house and go to work. 
I don't know when your time is, but set a time to pray together. Here's another step. Keep it short. Again, so many people are like, oh, I'm just going to impress the Lord, and I'm going to talk a long time. I'm going to use big words that only the preacher uses. Now, listen, God's not impressed. He says, don't babble on like, you know, the people that are trying to impress people. Keep it short. Keep it simple. And, and, and just, just pray. And you said, well, I don't know what to pray for. Here's an idea. Pray for your spouse. And you said, what do I pray for? Here's the next step. Keep it encouraging. I mean, instead of going, Lord, again, Lord, she's an evil woman, and you need to change her. She does these evil things, you know, and, and you know, you just dog them. Help them to, you know, help him to, you know, want to go to church. Help him to, you know, again, don't do that. Pray encouraging prayers. The greatest thing that my wife does for me when we pray together is encourage me. Build me up. Tell me I'm a good father. Thank you, Lord, for him being a good father. Thank him for, you know, him being a good pastor. And build, build each other up in those prayer times. And so we read the Bible, we pray for, and with our spouse. And here's the last thing, and I'm done. We serve at church. You say, what? You say, my marriage will get better if I start serving at church? Yes. You say, well, why? Well, look at Philippians 2. It says right here, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, what? Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. Here's what I've learned. The strongest couples that I know, guess what? They're serving in the church. You say, why does that matter? Well, I mean, what does that do for your marriage? Well, it deepens your spiritual intimacy like nothing else can. When you come and you begin to serve in church, you begin to serve alongside of other people, you begin to serve with your spouse, you're not just being a consumer, but you're actually contributing. And the Bible says that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so some of you guys are like, man, I, get, I receive a lot. I mean, every time you preach, every time they sing, every time they do this, every time I do, they do that, you, you receive something. But I'm telling you, it's better to give than just to receive. And so some of you guys need to learn, hey, we're going to start serving in the church. Maybe you serve in the 9 o'clock in our ranch kids or Hattie team or whatever it is, and then you come to the 1030 service and you enjoy worshiping with your spouse. I don't, again, serving in church will deepen your intimacy with each other. It will, you know, serving in church helps you be around other like-minded believers. And when I'm serving with someone, guess what? They're going to be able to encourage me. When they, you know, we develop a friendship and, and, and you know, they, they are struggling in their marriage or struggling in their, you know, job or whatever, I can encourage them because we're serving alongside of each other. And so, uh, and, and, and it makes a big difference in other people's lives. And so we, we read the Bible, we pray for and with our spouse, and we serve in the church. These are the daily disciplines that reap great rewards in marriage. In marriage. Now, here's what I want to leave you with. You ready? Why? You may be asking this question. Why do you call them disciplines rather than pleasures? I mean, serving in the church, reading your Bible, you know, doing all these things. Why are those disciplines and not just pleasures? Because it, it, prayer is a privilege, right? Well, here's why. Because when you begin to put your faith in God and not in your marriage, when you begin to practice the daily disciplines, the spiritual habits that God wants you to practice, guess what? The devil will attack. 
the devil will attack. And you say, well, how does he do that? Well, here's what I know. The first time you say, we're going to serve in church. We're going to show up and be a part of Howdy Team. We're going to, you know, show up and be a part of Ranch Kids. Guess what happens on that Sunday? The devil possesses your kids, and you have the worst morning, and everybody starts crying. Can I get an amen? Or the night before you're ready to come and serve in the church, guess what happens in your marriage? You have a fight. The devil hates it when you begin to live for God and start serving him and making him the center of your marriage. And so listen, this is the stuff the preacher never tells you. When you begin to do that, listen, the devil will attack. And that's why you have to be in the word. You have to be praying for and with each other. And you got to be serving with people so that they can encourage you and get you through it. I'm telling you, these are the keys to a great marriage. These are the little things that make a big difference in marriage. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. Again, some of you are here to maybe uh, maybe the first time, and we want to welcome you and say thank you for, for being a part of our church today. But here's a few questions that I have for you. How many of you guys would say, you know what, Bo? I kind of know this, but I don't know that we've lived like this in our marriage. But how many of you guys would say, you know what? We've not based our marriage on the little things. We've actually tried to base them on bigger experiences or bigger gestures. Would anybody raise your hand? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, maybe you've thought, man, if we just go on vacation, we'll, we'll, our marriage will get better. If we could just, you know, buy this, or if we could just move here, or if we could just get this house, if I could just get that truck, if I could just do this, then our marriage is going to be better. Oh, if I could just have kids, then our marriage is going to be better. Again, so many people, they put their faith in their marriage rather than their faith in God. And so maybe you're here today and you realize that for the first time. Here's what I would ask you to do. Maybe you just pray this simple prayer. God, I know that I've put my faith in you. I mean, I know I've put my faith in in my spouse. I know I've put my faith in marriage. I know I've put my faith in this guy that I'm dating. I know that I've put my faith in this girl that I'm dating. And Lord, today, I'm turning from that. And I'm going to stop putting my faith in the human beings of this world. And I'm going to put my faith in you. Lord, please, please help me to base my marriage, to base my dating relationships with you in the center of them. Again, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, would anybody admit that, man, I just prayed that. I just made that commitment. Would you just raise your hand? Yeah, thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. All across the barn. Thank you. Again, hopefully my prayer is that from this point on, that your marriage would be centered around Christ, that your dating relationships would be centered around Christ. Because again, he's the only one that can truly make a marriage and a relationship great. Some of you are here today and and again, maybe you don't know Christ, therefore you don't, you, don't know, you don't know his power, you don't know his strength, you don't know him personally. 
Well, the Bible says that in, in Romans 10, 9, it says, If you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You say, what does that mean? Well, it means that we have to place our faith in him so that he can give us the strength to be who he wants us to be. And so some of you are here today, and maybe you don't know Christ. Maybe you're, you're hoping that church is going to change you. Listen, church ain't going to change you. Only God can change you. And so maybe you're here today, and you need to place your faith in Jesus Christ. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, again, it's, it's, it's a simple prayer that we ask Jesus to come into our lives and save us. You say, well, I want to do that. Well, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, again, just in your heart, maybe you just need to pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, I know that I am trying to do all this on my own. And today I'm surrendering my life to you. Come into my life and save me. Forgive me of my sins and help me to live for you. Listen, maybe you just prayed that prayer for the very first time in your life. Listen, I'm telling you, you've made the greatest decision that you'll ever make in your life. And God has given you the greatest gift through his son, Jesus Christ. And now you can have, and now you do have eternal life with him. And so here's the cool thing. You've began a relationship. Now it's time to grow in that relationship. Now it's time to center everything that you do around him so that you can be blessed, so that you can have a blessed marriage, a blessed life, a blessed, you know, finance, a blessed, you know, physical life, whatever it is. He wants to bless it and he will bless it. And so we praise God that you've given your life to him today. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer and we're going to be dismissed. Heather's going to come. She's going to share with you how you can connect with our church. But I thank God that you are here today to learn the little things that can make a big difference in your marriage. Lord, I just come to you right now and I thank you. Thank you for um, allowing us the, the pleasure of knowing your word, Lord. I thank you for the, the gift of marriage and how it, it is a blessing and it is a joy to be married. And Lord, today, for those that, that are here today and they are married, I pray that they would find the, the truth in your word and that they would begin to practice that truth in their marriages. Lord, we thank you that you are the secret to a great marriage. And it's only in you that we can have that, that fulfillment that we're really looking for. And so, Lord, we praise you for that. Lord, I thank you for each person that's in here that's single and I thank you that they're here today to hear the great truths about how to have a great marriage. And so, Lord, we praise you for that as well. Lord, we pray that you would heal the hearts of those that have been hurt through marriage or through divorce or through just being single, Lord, and feeling alone. Lord, please heal their hearts and help them to have hope and peace today through you. It's in your holy name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. If you've made a commitment today, you can get in touch with us at thousandhillsranch.church or call us at 580-216-6427.
We ride to be generous and we celebrate the cheerful giver. If you feel led to give, please go to thousandhillsranch.church and click on the Give tab to give your tithes and offering today. Have a blessed week.